Well, this feels somewhat familiar. Um, it is so nice to be able to stand here and look out and actually see you. Um, instead of looking into the lifeless lens of a camera, you have had an unfair advantage over me these past 14 weeks. Um, I've had to get dressed up. Um, you've been in your pajamas or your sweatpants or who knows what. Um, for the past 14 weeks, we've done our best to do this via video, and now here we are. And I am so grateful. I almost feel a little bit like I could dance. Um, I won't do that. I think that would be an embarrassment to all of us, and I might hurt something. So it is just so good to be back together. I trust you've been paying attention to what God's been doing. Um, over these past weeks, um, I realize that, I think we all realize that we're not fully back together. There's going to be a little while longer that we have to wait until we're all fully back together. But today is a really encouraging start. And I do trust that as things continue to move forward, there will be a more and more complete regathering of our entire church family. Um, we'll pray to that end. Before I ask you to turn to God's Word this morning and um, share from His Word, I, I just want to take a, min a minute and um, address a few things, share a few things with you. One of the unhappy effects of COVID, at least as far as our church family was concerned, is that we really didn't have the opportunity to be alongside the Comptons uh, during their last months here with us. Um, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that we did have a couple weeks ago out in the parking lot. That was a sweet time together, but today is actually the last Sunday that Jared and Sharice and their family will be here. They're going to get in their vehicles and depart for Minneapolis on Thursday. Um, Beverly and I had a uh, just a chance to go out and have a very nice dinner with Jared and Sharice uh, this past week to express on behalf of this church our gratitude and our love, and we were able to give them a gift from the church that we hope that they will use to buy something helpful and substantial for their new home. But uh, Jared and Sharice, where are you? Where, what, what, there you are. Um, I just want to publicly say how deeply grateful we are for your presence and your ministry with us over these past five years, both of you have lived among us and ministered among us with such a confidence in and care for God's Word. And that has done us so much good. It has done me good. It's done our team good. It's done this church family good. And one of the things that has really marked your presence here is so many have felt your genuine love for them. So thank you. Um, we're going to miss you. Uh, but we will continue to labor, no longer in the same field, but in adjacent fields, for which I am very grateful. I also want to just take a moment this morning to thank some other people. Uh, we've never done coronavirus as a church before. This was a new experience for all of us, and I find myself so grateful for the way people have responded. Um, I'm grateful for the office staff 
Um, they have adjusted and served faithfully. I continue to believe that we have the finest administrative team on the planet. Um, when you see them, thank them. Whether you've known it or not, they have served you so faithfully. I'm so grateful for the pastoral team. They've adjusted and they've served faithfully. I'm very grateful for Dominic Lupo. He has adjusted and faithfully cleaned every surface of every chair and every table and I think every object in this entire church. And so he has served us with uh, remarkable faithfulness. Um, there are a few other people I want to thank specifically. As you know, uh, we had to move pretty quickly to a tech-dependent solution, solutions. And while a whole lot of people participated in that, we owe, I believe, a special thanks to Bill Nye, um, who has had his hands on pretty much everything that we've done over the past 14 weeks to serve you. Bill, thank you for your faithful labor. Um, Bill was helped mightily by Kieran Rains, Zach Hoffmeyer, Trish Buster, Kayla Rukti. Thank you for the way you've served us. I want to say thank you to Pastor Moore for putting together worship opportunities for us every week and all of the people who helped to make that happen, both in front of the camera and behind the camera. I am ever so grateful for your labor, brother. Thank you for serving this church faithfully while we were apart. <clears throat> And I don't want this moment um, to go by without saying thanks to you, Crossway. Um, I know that every one of the pastors and elders would say exactly what I'm about to say. Um, thank you for your prayers for us and for this church. Um, thank you for all of the encouragement that you sent our way. That was so meaningful. Mostly, I want to thank you for your persevering patience um, through these past three months. Um, we all know there's a difference between the way things have been and the way we'd like things to be, and that kind of introduces tension into our hearts, and yet you have persevered, and here we are. I want to say thank you ever so much. All right, would you please take your Bibles with me? Find your Bibles and turn with me this morning to the book of Psalms. You will remember, I trust, that when we went into this time 15 weeks ago, I had us turn to this book of Psalms for a few weeks. We looked at four Psalms to steady our hearts. Well, I want us to turn back to the Psalms again this morning, just for this week, and I think you'll understand why as soon as I start reading. So turn with me to Psalm 122. Psalm 122. And if you let your eyes go to that opening verse, you will see why I chose this psalm to preach today. But I love all that this psalm says. And we need all that this psalm says, all of it. So you listen, follow along as I read. This is God's Word Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, 
to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the way that you have so faithfully sustained us and nourished us by your word over these past 14 weeks. And we pray now, God, nourish us again. Feed us with your word, sustain us in our faith, guide us in our thoughts and in our feelings. God, we pray, I pray, just would you take my little preaching and turn it into something for the good of your people. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we dive into this, this morning, let's ask a question. What are we to do with these psalms? I mean, here are these uh, poems, basically, in our Bibles. How are we supposed to take these? What are we supposed to do with them? Or to put it another way, what does God intend them to do in us? I mean, we know what to do with direct instruction, right? We hear those words last week from Ephesians chapter 4, bear with one another in love, make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, and we know what we're supposed to do with stuff like that. We, we get how that works, but how does a psalm work? What are we supposed to do with this? Well, psalms work by addressing and shaping our hearts, what we might call our spiritual affections. They work by shaping right feelings about important things. I mean, here this psalm starts out, I was glad, I was filled with joy, I rejoiced when I heard it was time to go to the house of the Lord. And this psalm is saying, yes. That's how you should feel about this. It's right to feel that. It's right to have this feeling about this important thing and what it represents. That honors God for you to feel like that. You see? Psalms help shape and guide our feelings, our affections. They help us by showing us, in this particular case, how we should feel and why it is right to feel that way about coming together to worship. This psalm is about the gladness of regathering. I mean, clearly the dominant note here is one of excitement. It's one of joy. I was so glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, we need to remember this gathering represented here in Psalm 122 is, this is the three times a year gathering in Jerusalem for these 
special times of feasting and festival. So the application of this to our weekly coming together on Sundays is not exact. But, oh, I think regathering after having been apart for three months counts. We can relate to what this guy is saying in verse 1. Now, let's be very clear. This building is not the house of the Lord, at least not in the same way as is meant here. You know, over the past um, couple weeks, I've had quite a few conversations with people about the importance of carefully defining terms. In our current climate, as a nation right now, this is so important. I think it's always important, and it's the same when we read our Bibles, like right here with this term in verse 1, the house of the Lord. This was the temple in Jerusalem where God had said His presence would dwell among His people. It was the one place in all of Israel that could be called the house of the Lord. And every year, three times a year, the people would make their journey up into the hills around Jerusalem. They'd come into the city. They would travel in family groups. They'd come from all over the land of Israel. For some of them, it would be a several days journey. And as they would make their way to Jerusalem, they would sing or chant these psalms. Did you notice there at the head of this psalm, that little phrase, songs of ascent? In fact, you might notice that at the head of several psalms. From Psalm 120 all the way to Psalm 134, these are called songs of ascent. And maybe you'll remember when we looked at Psalm 121 several weeks ago, in fact, look there for just a moment at verse 1, a song of ascent, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And when we preached that, I said that that most likely represented the view, the physical view that the Israelites would have looking up ahead at the hills around Jerusalem with all of the uncertainty that those hills represented, but now, in the next psalm, they've arrived. They're in the city, the temple, the house of the Lord is in sight. Look at verse 2. Our feet have been standing now within your gates, O Jerusalem. They're in the city. The anticipation of getting there has been exciting, but, but now actually being there is like really exciting. They feel this gladness at coming to this place, the necessary kind of physicality of a place where you gather. That's what we've been missing, right? Being together in this place, this, this designated place. This is where we come to do this thing that we do as the people of God. And we feel this gladness in being together with God's people to meet with God. So what's the big deal? What's this gathering all about and why should it produce this gladness in our hearts? Well, let's let this psalm guide our affections. What's this all about? Why should we feel this gladness in regathering? First, because Gathering with God's people helps us direct our hearts to God, and that's where our greatest joy is found. Gathering with God's people helps us to direct our hearts to God, and that is where our greatest joy is found. Look with me at verses 3 and 4. Jerusalem, 
built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. That word thanks there in verse 4, that's actually talking about something much stronger than just kind of a casual thank you. It's talking about purposefully giving honor, giving due praise to God. It's a public acknowledgement of who God is and what he's done. This is active directing our hearts, actively directing our hearts to God and saying thank you for all you've done for us, for his role as a provider, but not just for his role as a provider, for his role also as as a judge, as justice bringer. Look at verse 5. There, thrones for judgment were set. The thrones of the house of David. You know, there's, there's not a lot that we know about what verse 5 is talking about, but it appears that David set up a court for the kind of delivering of justice, and the fact that this was associated with the house of the Lord represents the fact that God is a God of justice. He is the one who will always do what is right. He is the one who always will will bring about justice. So what this psalm is doing here is it's directing our hearts to God, to the one true God in all that he is, which was so desperately needed for a people who were occupied with the stuff of life. And is it not the same for us, for you, for me, all Week long, our hearts and minds are pulled toward the things we must do. And they're pulled toward hearing of the news of the world. And they're pulled toward things that are right in front of us. And we try, right? We try to keep God in our mind throughout the week. But here and now, we come to very purposefully direct our hearts to God. And we need this. We were made for this to find joy and to find rest and to find refreshment for our souls in God. So that's the first reason for us to be glad about gathering. Gathering helps us to direct our hearts to God, and this psalm gives us, it guides us, it calls us into right affections about that. The second reason we should be glad about gathering, and that is because in our gathering, we can together express our dependence on God, and that is a really good thing. Together express our dependence on God. Look at verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. You'll notice that there at the beginning of verse 6 that there's a call to pray. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And the rest of verse 6 and all of verse 7 is actually a prayer along those lines. There is this asking of God for something. I mean, given what Jerusalem represents, this place of gathering, there is there's a longing for peace and security to characterize that place. Within. Did you notice that? Verse Seven, peace be within your walls and security within your towers. Again, at the end of verse 8, peace be within you. This, this is among the gathered people praying for peace and security and safety in which we can live and flourish and worship without the distraction of division 
and hostility. Don't we long for that? Don't our hearts long for that? And so we pray. We ask God, we express our dependence on Him to provide good for our fellowship, for our gathering, for our coming together to direct ourselves to God. We ask God for things. I remember many years ago hearing about uh, the time that a well-known pastor, I think this happened in the city of Chicago, a well-known pastor was invited to pray at this big evangelistic gathering that was being held for D.L. Moody. And this man got up to pray and he started out with all of this, this lofty language addressing God in all of these high-sounding terms. And as he went on, after a bit, D.L. Moody just walked up and put his hand on his shoulder and, and said, Brother, just call him Father and ask him for something. Doesn't that get something just right? Call him Father and ask him for something. And so we ask God, we pray for peace and stability and security. Friends, we should be glad about gathering because as we gather, we can ask God. We can express our need for God, our dependence on him, and that is good. It's something worth being glad about. There is one more thing for us to notice here, one additional reason that there should be gladness in our gathering, and that is because in our gathering, we can enjoy our shared connection with God, all of us. We can enjoy our shared connection with God. Look back at verse 3 for a moment. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together. I think that has meaning to it. It's not just talking about bricks and mortar. It's talking about God's people to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. And then look at verse 8. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. You know, every time that we gather, our very gathering gives testimony to the saving power of God in Christ, but not just to his saving power, it gives testimony to his gathering power. God has done something amazing through Christ. He has called for himself a people. He's made us brothers and sisters, companions, brought together people from, I mean, just look around, People from all sorts of different backgrounds formed into the body of Christ. And now, and now the body of Christ throughout the world, now gathering in various local gatherings around the world, brothers and sisters, companions joined in Christ and sharing a connection with God. And that is for our good. And it's for God's glory. You know, the, the tabernacle uh, out in the wilderness, which God directed Moses to construct, where God met with his people, that was the blueprint. The temple, this house of God that is being talked about here, the city of Jerusalem where the people gathered, that, that was a little fuller realization. But the reality is God's people gathered in Christ. 
that will one day be fully realized in heaven when all of God's people are gathered, that is the real thing. This is the real thing. This is the best thing. Listen, dear ones, what Jerusalem and the temple meant to the Israelites, the church is to the Christian. Now be careful right there what you hear when I say the word church. What the temple was to the Israelite, the church is to the Christian. Here we come together to together come before God. Here are our closest ties. We're not talking about this building when we speak of the church. Back then, that house of the Lord, that place the people of God would gather, seeing that, that, that would elicit this great gladness. Going there would elicit this great emotion. I was so glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. But for God's people now, it's different. Since Christ came and dwelt among us and continues to dwell among us by His Spirit, now, now His people, His very people, are the place God dwells. So as we gather, God dwells in us. God dwells with us. This building is not God's house. We are God's house. And we share together this relationship with God. And because of that, th this time that we gather here in this building has an importance out of all proportion to the little time it actually occupies in our weeks. Like 80 minutes, 90 minutes out of 168 hours every week. And yet it has an importance out of all proportion. This is our closest family. These are our closest ties. In Christ we have been made a people for God's pleasure and for our own good. We share, we come together and share our connection with God. And this psalm is seeking to guide us into feeling that rightly. The goodness of coming together. Friends, God intends our gathering, our regathering today and our gathering every Sunday to be a reason for deep gladness. It is so good. Our connection to God together is good. Our connection to each other is good. So let me close just by reading from something that somebody sent me some time back, which I think captures this beautifully. The Lord's presence simply can't be faked. This is true whether it applies to an individual's lives, life or to a church body. When, when I speak of God's presence, I'm not talking about some kind of spiritual aura that mystically surrounds a person or that comes down in a church service. Rather, I am talking about the result of a simple but powerful walk of faith. Whether that's manifested in a Christian's life or in an entire congregation, it causes people to take note. They tell themselves, this person has been with Jesus or this congregation truly believes what they preach. It takes much more than a pastor to produce that kind of church. It takes a people of God. If a stranger comes out of a church service and says, I felt the presence of Jesus there, you can be sure it wasn't just because of the preaching or worship. It was because a congregation had come together and entered God's house and the Lord was abiding in their midst. 
May it be so. To God's glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this book that you've given to us. We treasure it. All of the different ways that it speaks to us. God, you've spoken in ways that address our minds. You've spoken in ways that address our hearts. You've spoken in ways that address our wills. Father, we want to be fully formed people. Your word addressing all of the different dimensions of human being. And here this morning, we hear and feel your word addressing our deep places in our hearts calling us to right affections about important things. And so, God, I pray we would treasure our gatherings together. Thank you for bringing us back together today. Thank you for the rhythm that you've set in place. And, God, we pray next Sunday again that we would gather and we would do so with a kind of gladness because of what this gathering represents. God, as we go out again, we pray your protection. We pray your guidance. We pray your provision. We pray for your favor. And Lord, we would ask that you would help us to live as the church, the church of Jesus Christ, even when we're away, but God, already I feel a hunger to be back together again. So God help us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.